0: Good day, veterans and families, and thank you so much for what you do and what you continue to do, and welcome to Your Next Mission, a new initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilley, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and your host, now don't laugh about that. We've got a great show for you today. We're gonna to focus on veteran employment from the corporate point of view with Ms. Suzanne Jones and Mr. William McDonough from General Dynamics Ordnance and Tactical Systems, OTS. I have a couple of uh, stories for you, including one from Jason Nazarenko, U.S. Army retired, on how he handled his transition. Now, before we get to it, uh, let me say that we're extremely thankful to the good folks at Calvary Agency, Purdue University Global and Veterans United Home Loans, our presenting sponsor, for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families. As I mentioned today, it's, it's the theme is about veterans employment from the corporate point of view. I'm so excited to introduce Ms. Suzanne Jones, Senior Director of Unit Resources, and Mr. Will Donahue, Senior Director of Business Development, Colonel U.S. Army Retired, General Dynamics Ots. Welcome, It's so good to have you on the podcast. Uh, we want to learn everything you everything you can tell us about uh, what you're doing to help our our uh, veterans' employment uh, with General Dynamics, but. Before we do that, we'd like to get each one of you, to tell us a little bit about yourself. So Susan, can you, can you start out sort of
1: tell the audience about yourself? Sure, um, first, thanks for inviting us. And before we get started, we should say, you know thank you for your service and to those of your listening audience. So I'm Suzanne Jones and Will and I work for General Dynamics, Ordnance and Tactical Systems, or for short, we call it GDOTS. So we're a global aerospace and defense company. We provide the US military and its allies with extensive range of products that provide an advantage to our warfighter. So such as precision guided munitions, crew served and aircraft weapons, the hydro rocket, filament wound composite structures, warheads and pyrotechnic products. So I'm the director of human resources for the precision systems business unit. It's a a strategic business unit and we call it PS. So if we we use that acronym, that's what we mean. We have a couple thousand employees in 15 locations across the U.S. and have four main lines of business within our SBU, composite structures, integrated control systems, warheads and pyrotechnics, and tactical air munitions. So I've been with GDOTS for, oh gosh, almost 17 years. I worked at four of the operations um, and two headquarters. I started in Deland, Florida as the EHS manager, so environmental health and safety, for their chemical and biological detection system business, and then moved to Charlotte. I was the director of ethics for the business unit. And um, it was armament and technical products at the time, but they merged with OTS in 2012. Then I went to Saco, Maine. I was their HR manager, and that's our guns business. And then I ended up in um, the Scranton Army ammunition Plant and the Red Line facilities and large Cal ammo business. So for the past three years, I've been in the headquarters here in St. Petersburg, supporting precision systems, and I'm a business partner and supporting employment, recruiting, employee relations, labor relations, talent um, acquisition, and um, learning and development.
0: Oh, wow. Will, can you, uh, thank you very much for that. And Will, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, Sergeant Major. It's a great pleasure to be uh to engage with you and I echo Suzanne's comments. Uh, thank you for your service and your continued help to our veterans. Uh, I'm recently retired. Uh, retired in November of 2020 after uh, 25 wonderful years in the United States Army. Uh, came from an Army family. I uh, was lucky enough to get into West Point and uh, spent my first 10 years on active duty and the infantry with operational assignments to the 101st and the 1st Armored Division. -ah. And then, Um, um, yeah, that's right, -ah, air assault (laughs) and then um, transitioned from uh, the operational army over to uh, uh, program management. So I spent about 14 and a half, 15 years uh, developing and fielding capability upgrades to uh, our service members. Um, I take great pride in the development that we did for the Bradley survivability kit, uh, the Abrams survivability kit and uh, fielding those to OIF uh, during the 2008-2009 timeframe, and then uh, the latter part of my career, I spent with the lethality uh, at Picatinny Arsenal, where I was the product manager, then program manager for the Precision Guidance Kit, uh, all things mortars and uh, cannon ammunition uh, artillery. And most recently, that was in support of the Long Range Precision Fires cross-functional team. So I had the pleasure and honor of uh, helping the Army establish Futures Command and really set the modernization efforts on a, a very healthy trajectory. I uh, have to, twin daughters, uh, uh, Avery and Miley, are uh, 15-year-old girls, and maybe that's probably, uh, if you don't mind, sir. Major, my first piece of advice is uh, when, you, when you transition, uh, definitely make sure that, that you take time to explain things to your family members uh, early and often because uh, they've been an integral part of uh, veterans' careers while they were on active duty. And uh, certainly, you know, there's a long life after uh, retirement, and, and it's key to have your family members there. So, thanks again, sir, to me.
0: Well, you know, I, you bring up a couple of good points. One is I stayed 36, you stayed 26 or 25, I can't remember, but. Uh, yeah, one of the things i tell you that I wish I had did a little bit better as far as uh, helping my family, being more connected with my family when I was transitioning out of the military. But, you know, just like you, I was all Army and uh, stayed focused on the Army, and I would missed a lot of the development of my kids when uh, when I was in the service because I was always deployed somewhere. So, But uh, great stories, and thanks for sharing. Hey, uh, Suzanne, what percentage of your workforce is veterans, and wh- why do you think it's so important to hire veterans for the workforce?
1: So well, I'm not sure about the total percentage across all of GDOTS, but within precision systems, we have about 10 percent varying at each location from uh, one of our lowest is 4 percent. And, and we have two that are 25 and 33 percent. So they vary. I'd love to see this increase. We're proud to support our military men and women and we celebrate our working veterans on Veterans Day, for example, each of us, each of our sites has a cel- celebratory event and we give gifts and um and you know, food and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a fun day for us. But to answer the second part of your question, hiring veterans is important because we're General Dynamics, Ordnance and Tactical Systems, a defense contractor uh, full of innovators and thinkers delivering the best of the best. And who could better do that than our veterans?
0: Yeah. The, um, the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Suzanne. So, yeah.
1: no, so uh, you know, our working veterans exhibit the passion for the warfighter and product quality. They often exhibit the di- discipline to support the team and the mission, and they have traits such as planning, strategic thinking, and accountability that support our culture and our collective success.
0: Yeah. Do, do you think when you have – I'm going to follow on question. You know, I've got to ask you something. Do uh, Veterans are, are more loyal or are more loyal people when they come to work or just as loyal or they bring something different, I think? To... <laughs>
1: well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I guess I don't judge the loyalty of the employee, but I think what they bring is um, – you know, they've used our products uh, to a large degree, most of them have, and um, definitely understand the value of them. And I have a commitment to the customer, which is the warfighter, and to the product quality.
0: are? Sure. Sir, on my script right here, it says Will, but I'm not going to call you Will. I'm going to call you Sir. <laughs> you recently transitioned uh, from the from the military, from the Army. You told us just a minute ago. And, and there's all sorts of ethics issues that people have to be concerned about, especially yourself as, a, as an officer in the United States Army. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. And, and Sir Major, I think Suzanne uh, brings up a good point that, you know, our, our users or our customers are the center of, of how we design things and uh, where that helps uh, veterans and, and service members who are, who are leaving the service is it gives them a leg up on, on the use of the product. And as the Army evolves into a more customer-centric uh, design methodology and really modernization methodology, you know, it, it's critical that, that veterans who, who do want to go work in the defense industry understand you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed. And I think you know, in the gray area uh, veterans will tend to be conservative because they don't want to come across as being unethical. I think our Army ethos and our values you know, definitely shape uh, our, each of us to, to do the right thing. And so uh, technically, the post-government employment letter, the PGE, is that document that for for members who could be close to having an ethical uh, conflict, um, they'll get that PGE. And uh, the, the lawyer's on the government side do a great job of doing the research and making sure uh, that the right left and right limits are provided. And, but that group is, is is pretty small. So, you know, key groups that definitely have to get a post-government employment letter are the contracting officers, contracting non-commissioned officers, those who have provided contracts or written contracts. um, And then also the program managers within the, within the U S army. And that's still a pretty small group. And then I think there's a, there's a larger group that, that tends to Uh, come from a requirement standpoint or comes from an experience standpoint it used to be within TRADOC and now it's within Futures Command and and those those individuals I think are are great candidates to come work for for those of us in the defense industry because they bring the the relevant experience they know what's in the mind uh, of what the uh, of what the army wants in terms of modernization and production they know what the army values um, and, and they can relay that to the industry partners who are trying to provide a service but of course uh, everyone's got to stay above board and make sure that we're doing ethical things. But um, then I think part of that comes up with, with friends who have retired alongside uh, me or shortly thereafter. The question comes up, you know, during a terminal leave phase, what are the left and right limits? And again, the, the local legal office does a great job of explaining that. But to boil it down, you, you know, you can't bill the government or get paid for the last couple of months of, of active duty while you're also <clears throat> approaching the government or approaching the army. Uh, and trying to sell them anything or represent the company. So there's a clear delineation there on your date of effective retirement that, that the day after that, you can you can approach the Army, you can represent a company. It just can't be with the products that you either bought or you were the program manager for uh, on active duty. I hope that answers the question, Sergeant Major. but no, I, I, think,
0: I, no, I think you yeah, answered One thing I was thinking about when you was talking about uh, the right and left limits of enlisted corps and the right and left limits of officers, and they're, and the two are a little bit different, aren't they?
2: They are. However, I've observed in, in general dynamics, there's a, a very fair representation of of both uh, officers and enlisted. And I, I think within the corporation, um, you know, we have a, a very group mentality, very teamwork mentality. And um, you know, there's different roles to be had on the on the on the industry side, but certainly for our non-commissioned officers that bring relevant experience on the combat platforms, you know, I recall from my previous days in the Bradley program that our, our best. Our best uh, field representatives, um, field service representatives, FSRs were ones that were great NCOs and, you know, had the master gunner training and those type of skill sets. And so I would encourage, you know, certainly our our retiring NCOs to, uh, to think about serving in a different capacity, you know, working for a defense contractor that is, again, trying to provide what the Army wants and not selling things just for the sake of selling
0: something. Yeah, you know, just uh, food for thought here. I was a master gunner, and I think I was probably one of the, the best schools that I ever went to in the United States Army. We're talking with Suzanne Jones and Will McDonough from General Dynamics OTS. I don't want to forget that. You're listening to Your Next Mission podcast with me, your host, Jack L. Tilly, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm uh, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilley, and we're blessed to be with uh, here today with Ms. Suzanne Jones and with uh, Sir, I'm going to say Sir, with uh, uh, Sir Will McDonough with uh, General Dynamics OTS. Before we continue, I want our listeners to reach out to me directly. Tell us about your transition. Uh, tell us about the topic that you'd like us to cover. You can leave a message at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at Tilly at yournextmission.org. Okay, let's pick it up where we left. Suzanne, how can I make, uh, make my resume be noticed a little bit more in an interview, especially in uh, my prior experiences? Uh, is that relevant to have a, you know, a resume and how do I make it better for
1: people when I'm out there trying to get a job? <laughs> That's a great question, or a s- bunch of questions. Um, you know, a candidate will stand out in a manner of ways. You know how prepared they are to talk about themselves and their experiences, including those unique experiences they might have had, or if they have a network that we may know. So, what's I think important is that the candidate understand their transferable skills and how they can apply it to the position. You know, they should have an interest in the company to which they're interviewing. You know, I work for and recruit talent for a defense contractor. The desire to make a difference, perform work that matters. And deliver the best of the best are the key attributes in the candidate and necessary for success in our culture. You know, some additional tips, be professional, dress professional for the position, be confident, engaged, ask questions about the opportunity, and always follow up after the interview.
0: Yeah, the, I think another thing is really important, don't use acronyms. <laughs> don't use acronyms, because I think a lot of people in the military... Uh, you don't want to use acronyms, as a, as, especially if they're putting in a resume. The other thing I think uh, I thought was always interesting is I always had two resumes. I had a military resume and I had a civilian resume as I went out there. And, and, and the other thing, uh, and we may talk about a little bit uh, later here, but I always had a mentor. Somebody would look at that resume and say, hey, look, uh, this is a, a great idea. Or maybe you ought to cut that out or maybe it's too wordy or whatever. So uh, that's, uh, I'd get you in the door. Uh, I think that's the key. Along those same lines, uh, uh, what are some of the key things that uh, look for in a resume? Uh, you know, what, uh, I think you probably mentioned a lot of them, but is there, is there key things in there that you want to make sure that you got correct?
1: Yeah, so generally we look for indications of the skill to perform the job and the will to do it. So I look for skills and experience applicable to the job to which the candidate has applied. And then those transferable skills, interests, education, volunteer activities, and such that tell me tidbits about the person, their capabilities, their pace, and their interest.
0: Yeah. Okay. Will Suzanne mentioned uh, recruiters uh, may look for uh, may look for a better or hiring manners. What would you make a candidate? Uh, st- how would you make a candidate stand out when he's looking for them?
2: I, I think, Sergeant major. The services all provide uh, a great opportunity to to refine one's leadership abilities. And I think that goes for both the the enlisted ranks, non-commissioned officers and officers as well. And I think the brand of leadership that comes out of the Army specifically relates well to the corporate world, because I think one of the things Army does well is it promotes, we call them subordinates in the Army. They're probably more teammates on the corporate side but we, we have a desire for collective success. We always want the company to do well. We always want the squad to do well. And I, I think when, when most veterans leave the Army, um, you know, they leave with the perspective that as long as the team is winning, you know, that's what's most important. And I think, I think that requires some emotional intelligence. I think it requires a certain level of maturity not to try and, and grandstand and be the one that, that gets the credit. And I think that crosses over well to suzanne's point you have to get into the interview and and i think you have to be able to relay that to talk about yourself and how you've had successful experiences and and sometimes how you failed uh to explain to how you you've grown and so the the people who are hiring i think want good fits i think veterans should be aware that not every job interview is going to go well Um, you probably have to practice it you have to get some repetitions under your belt and frankly there may be a couple jobs that you take And you look back on it a couple of years later and you're like, well, that wasn't a very good fit, but the the good thing about retiring fairly young. And I think we all retire from the service fairly young with plenty of, of work time left in our lives is that you don't have to get it perfect. And, um, the, the marketplace is so healthy right now that I think, you know, if you're working at the wrong company, um, you can, you can learn your lessons and kind of like a PCS in the army, you can move to the next company. And uh, build upon your resume and build on your experience set. So it doesn't have to be a perfect score up front.
0: You know, you maybe think of something. I have almost started laughing there a minute ago when you talk about retiring fairly young. When I got out, I was fairly old. And does does that hamper anybody? I mean, uh, I was to, to be honest, yeah, I was almost fifty five years old. I spent a long time in the army, and I didn't think I'd really fit in. So I ended up uh, having my start my own company and doing stuff, and it really worked out pretty well for me. The, the other thing that is important and you made me think about too as you was talking is uh being a good listener and being a good communicator uh, could you talk just a little bit about that
2: yeah Sergeant major I, I think I realized late in my army career and I, I still believe it to this on to this day on the on the industry side you know I only have one problem and that, that problem is always communications you know it presents itself in many different fashions with different dynamics but the only problem that leaders i think are really trying to solve you know, our, our communications gaps. And so I, I, think, you know, as long as you don't look at my PT score uh, <laughs> at the age of 48, what that would look like, um, you know, 48 and 55 still have, you know, between 10 and, and 15 years of runway left. And yeah. I, I've, I've seen a couple of hiring uh, practices go on here in general dynamics and we're very sensitive that, that ageism, you know, isn't tolerated. And so I, I think maybe what, what potential applicants should be looking for is about how long they would, they would like to work for a certain company. And you know neither the company nor the potential applicant or, or hire uh, wants to to leave prematurely. I mean, both sides want to have a, a longer term relationship, but that longer term relationship doesn't have to be more than more than ten years. Suzanne, maybe over to you as, as a better expert.
1: No, I, I think you're de- you're completely accurate on that. I, I think that you know that there's plenty of runway for em- employees coming out of the service. Not every job is going to be a, an exact fit. But you know, you use your transferable skills and you go for it. You never get the job you don't apply for or go for.
0: So this is something I probably I wasn't gonna ask you, but again, you're making me think of all sorts of stuff that I'd ask somebody if there's coming in. What's the for both of you now? This I think this is a good question. What's the one thing that would turn you off if you was interviewing somebody?
1: Oh <laughs> I have a, probably have a list. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for
2: me, Sergeant Major, it's not necessarily a a pure turnoff, but, you know, as a second lieutenant, when I was 22, there was a certain language that I would use in that type of unit that I, of course, I wouldn't use in a a corporate setting or even, you know, as as an older officer. Um, And so I think how veterans present themselves and communicate, it doesn't take big words, uh, but it it does reflect on one's personality and how they're going to operate. And certainly today's workplace is no place um, you know, for any type of sexism, ageism, you know, uh, behavior that is untoward, and
0: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's,
2: it's just something to be sensitive to. That, that we have a very diverse workforce, and that's that's the future. And and we have to adjust our language to be professional.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the other thing is 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 most of it, and I was I was really trying to lead you into this when most people are are Type A coming out of the military, are Type A personalities, and they're just they're more transmitting versus listening. And so I think pulling for me personally now I had to pull back a little bit uh, to make sure that I wasn't so aggressive that I would that it, I would allow the people that our person I was talking to to you know to get, get their words in, uh, but I just oh god I just ran and I really had to to adjust a little bit like I said before it it took me a while to do that and I think that's probably why I opened my own company up because I couldn't get anybody else to be quiet and I wanted to talk so. Uh, uh, Suzanne, how how important is having, you know, you hear people talk about elevator speeches and and how can that uh, at career fairs, it's, is that something that's really important? And how can it make it uh, less awkward when you're talking to somebody?
1: Well, that's a good question. So personally, I like an elevator pitch. You know, I like to converse with the candidates and appreciate their willingness to engage. You kind of mentioned what was a turnoff. And one thing would be you know just somebody that's not willing to engage or talk in, in, yeah
0: a little shy or something or just you know, want uh, yeah. yeah,
1: struggles with the uh, you know com- conversation or answering questions but at a career fair the pitch is so helpful because imagine you know you're getting a resume and i can either stand there and read the resume while i'm standing next to the person or we can have a conversation and they can give me you know an elevator speech you know tell me a little bit about themselves um You know, to demonstrate their preparedness, the ability to think quickly, you know, are kind of attributes of of that elevator speech. But, you know, use use it to introduce yourself and make a connection to the interviewer, the job or the company. You know, make yourself memorable. Of course, do that in a positive way. But then you can follow up with the questions and comments to demonstrate your interest in the company and the opportunity that you're interested in. So, you know, for example, before a career fair or if you're at an interview, you know, know more about the company or the company you wish to meet with. You know, for example, you could say, you know, I understand the GDOTS makes the M2 machine gun. You know, I use that gun, it's been around forever and adopting the quick change barrel several years ago really made a positive difference. Or it's something, you know, that makes that connection and makes you memorable to the, to the um, person that you're speaking with. You know, when we go to a career fair, we may, may meet with hundreds of people. And um, so, you know, you want, when you respond back and, and follow up, you want them to remember who you are. So if I had to summarize that, you know, just be ready with a short elevator, Pitch, you know, practice it in front of a mirror so you don't sound so rehearsed. Watch your body language and give us something important about you and make that connection.
0: Oh, you hit a gun around that. Watch your body language. And I think that uh, that elevator speech should be about 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Uh, Probably probably not longer than that. Uh, But I think the other thing is good eye contact. Uh, So you're talking Mm -hmm. to that person. Don't be uh, distracted. So uh, I, I think that's that's great advice. It might be a good time to mention that uh, Your Next Mission is going to be uh, uh, doing a career fair at uh, Huntsville, Alabama on August 11th. So uh, hopefully we can get you guys in there and, <laughs> and join us with that one. Hey, we're talking to uh, Suzanne and, and Sir Will uh, about, uh, you know, things to help our veterans out. So we're going to take a short break. Remember, you're listening to Your Next Mission. Welcome back. I'm Jack L. Tilley, the 12th Sergeant Major of Army. And we're talking with Miss Suzanne Jones and Mr. Will McDonough with uh, General Dynamics OTS. Uh, we're at one of our favorite parts of the podcast, where we get to hear uh, from our veterans. Today, we have with us Jason Nazarenko, former Black Hawk helicopter pilot who served in the Army for 23 years to tell us about his transition. Jason, we're we're glad to have you on the podcast. So let's uh, tell us your story.
3: You bet, Sergeant Major. Well, thanks for having me here. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, I just uh, just have always had a passion for uh, helping veterans, and uh, obviously was one myself, like you mentioned, 23 years in the Army. Just recently transitioned. I uh, served the majority of my time there at Fort Campbell. Started out at Campbell, went to Bragg, Campbell, Korea, did a few of that, and then uh, ended up back at Fort Campbell flying Blackhawk helicopters, and then assessed and uh, ended up in uh, 160th, that's where I retired. So my last 10 years were with 160th Special Operations right there at Campbell and had a blast. Loved every minute of it.
0: The, the, was there anything in particular, did you have any issues or problems when you was transitioning out of the military? Or?
3: So I really did, um, uh, Sergeant Major. I can actually you know, go into more detail there. So I was, uh, when I had dot, decided to transition, when it was decided that, hey, this is the time to retire, my wife and I kind of made that decision. We we dropped our papers. The plan was uh, to move near home. I'm from a little tiny town in Arkansas called Cotter. And uh, we were going to move near home. That way we'd be kind of close to home, visit family. Um, and so I started networking. I was actually the first fellow with uh, Hiring Our Heroes and was, was linked up with Walmart. Uh, and that was going really well. Uh, I actually helped uh, them build their curriculum for other veterans as they were uh, getting ready to transition out. Well, anyway, as we, you know, in the process, uh, getting ready to retire, my my mom actually passes away unexpectedly. Uh, Wasn't part of the transition plan. And when it happened, we ended up back here in Cotter for uh, her funeral. And that's when we decided, hey, we're not going to come near home. We're actually going to come all the way home. So uh, transitioning out uh, for me, you know, I had set myself up prior to transitioning. I had uh, checked all the blocks that I could. I had a bachelor's. I had a double master's. I was working on a Ph.D., uh, just finishing up a dissertation. I had a PMP certification completed, so I was a project management professional. I had Black Belt Sig- uh, Six Sigma um, certified as well and uh, had really tried to, to set myself up. And so when we made the decision to come to Cotter, population less than 600, obviously that was going to lead to a, <laughs> quite a few challenges. Yeah. And we understood that. We we went into it knowing, hey, uh, what we're going to do, I don't know yet, but we're at least we know where we're going to go. And um, we, my wife was really excited. She was from here as well. So moving back home, uh, it was definitely a homecoming. Uh, we ended up renovating the house in the process. I'd say it was more than a house. It was a historical building in the downtown area. Uh, if downtown, if Cotter actually has a downtown, uh, but it was this uh, really rough building and we renovated that. Uh, I started getting involved with the city, um, utilizing some of my experience to be able to help them out. Wanted to try to help. The city grow. So working with the, the mayor, uh, he asked me if I'd volunteer to be the chamber of commerce president, which was at that time, oh wow, pretty much nothing. Yeah. Our, our, our chamber was, it had really fallen apart. I mean, everything in the city had just kind of went downhill and there was really nothing left of the chamber. Uh, so when I took it on, it was a huge project. Um, I decided I'd do it, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm always willing up for a, a challenge and I wanted to help my community. Uh, that had been there for me the whole time I was in the service. So uh, chamber president, and we went off uh, into a huge start. I mean, I just recently retired, so it was October 2018 is when I retired. So obviously not long after that was when COVID hit. Uh, Right when COVID hit, one of the first things I did was said, hey, we need to do something. We need to continue to propel forward here in Cotter. And I asked him if he minded. I got a hold of the Department of Health. I wrote the business plan for it. And then we started holding uh, movies in the park down here. First time ever, Cotter had never had movies in the park. Huge success. I mean, we had uh, five movies throughout the summer, had 150 people out there. Uh, We also went forward with another plan for uh, the Trout Fest, which is coming up here on the 1st of May. So uh, expecting over a thousand people. So I just jumped in and got involved Uh, job wise. Obviously I did find a job. Um, We were, you know, we came here with the retirement and that helped for sure. Uh, but I was able to find a job about 45 minutes from here flying uh, uh, for AeroVac. So helicopter air ambulance company, it's about 45 minutes away. The schedule is good for me. Um, it's not great. It's not what we were looking for. Perfect. Uh, we wanted to spend more time together, but um, it worked and it has definitely helped me. And um, I kind of mentioned that house that we started renovating, that that building, that historic building that transitioned into a business all of its own. We've actually taken on four major renovations. Uh, we're in the middle of two right now. One is a uh, is is a historic church that's 107 years old, and the other is the oldest standing building in this town that's 118 years old. Um, and I mean, it's you know, we've we've been able to add value to the town, bring life back into town, and and obviously, you know, build a portfolio for ourselves as well. So,
0: uh, uh, Jason, I, I I just listened to all the things you're doing. I'm sitting there thinking about. It the fact that all Army, not just Army, all military people get out, want to get involved with all this stuff that uh, and make and make it a better community. So uh, let me thank you for what you're doing, and, and thank you for sharing your story with and I, I appreciate it. Again, I I, uh, I want you to reach out to me and, and tell me your story. Uh, call me, leave a message, 844-424-1134, or send me an email at smatilly at org. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear your story. Okay, we're we're heading back into the final segment here. Uh, with You guys today. I, I know this has been uh, challenging. You gave a lot of great information. I hope you uh, enjoyed it as much as I have. I've had a great time just talking to you. Of course, being an old sergeant major, I wanna I wanna talk as much as I can. That's for sure. Well, recruiters often say they're looking for things. Uh, people that are talking about problem solving. Uh, you know, critical thinking or uh, you know cultures. In addition to those kind of things, what what kind of candidates are you looking for?
2: I think, Sar Major, the the services do a good job of of moving us around um, in our formative years. And um, you know, that allows us to to solve not just problems, but with different groups. So I think we we bring to the workforce a diversity element that is an element of flexibility and willingness to evolve and adjust our roles to meet the higher need. And so we all have to work for bosses and and as long as the bosses team is winning and, and, and everyone's getting along and, and we're working towards collective goals, you know, I think that's something that the veterans bring to the, the workforce on the corporate side more naturally. Um, I think I, that's got to be balanced with you know approaching the workforce. You know, you, you want to interview the company as much as they want to interview you because you're both sides. Both sides are looking for a good fit. And so I think as a part of the feeling out process for or the research or the interview process, uh, I would encourage candidates, veterans, um, to you know, to really ask good questions to establish whether their commitment of time to the company or to the organization or the chamber of commerce is gonna is gonna win for both sides. Sometimes it's not gonna work out, and the earlier you identify that, you know, the better. But I think that the team organization and the concept of collective uh, wins are major something that veterans tend to tend to bring well.
0: Yeah, Suzanne, when do you start the networking process? Or, or, or tell us a little bit about the networking process. I think it's really important.
1: Sure. So the networking process, and and um, we can probably talk a little bit if if you like about how the you know how he can recommend it while they're in the military. But you know we we you know network a variety of different ways. I mean um, you know we've gone to the uh, Warriors to Workforce job fairs. There's you know LinkedIn. There's um, reaching out to you know former military people that, you know, currently work at the company or might have uh, some referrals. So, and and, you know, when they wanna contact us to network, if that's, you know, the next part of the, you know, piece of the puzzle, I guess, that they, you know, they can get our attention definitely. I don't mind when an employee shows the initiative to reach out on LinkedIn or sends me an email to check in and ask the status of a job that's posted you know, like everyone else, you know, I'm busy, but I do make the effort to follow up on those types of contacts. So, you know, go online and network, uh, understand what jobs are out there, you know, follow the companies on LinkedIn that you, that you might be interested in and, um, you know, and, and keep track of, you know, what's going on. You might find a little bit more about the business and see if you really like it, jobs that you're really interested in. And then you'll find out who else also works in those businesses. So that you can reach out to them and message them on LinkedIn.
0: I used to tell people about two years out you start that process, and and anybody that gives you a business card, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and when you start that process, you know, make sure you send them an email. Say, hey, you know, I'm Jack. i tell you I'm retired from the military. Here's a copy of my resume. So you, that's. But the farther out you start, I think the better it is for you. I think a lot of people sometimes wait until the last minute to do that process. Uh, again, education, 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 having your education before you ever get out. We're talking to Will and Susan uh, from uh, General Dynamics, o- OTS. I don't want to forget that. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, and we'll be right back. Remember, you're talking. You're listening to Your Next Mission. Welcome back. I'm Jack Altilli, 12th Sergeant Major Army, and listen to Your Next Mission. Thank you for listening today. Please visit us on our website, yournextmission.org and leave a review. Our website features our partners who have so many services that can provide assistance in your transition from the military. You can also apply for jobs such as, uh, such as those available in General Dynamics. Hopefully you have a lot of jobs for our veterans and stuff. We wanna assist you any way that we can. Also, please follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And uh, I can't say enough, uh, you know, this time I'm gonna call you Will. Uh, Suzanne and Will uh, from OTS, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're making a difference uh, with our our veterans. And Jason, uh, sir, uh, chief, uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, great having you on the podcast. And and uh, I want to finish this podcast with a, a little story of mine and, and experience. You know, the Army really changed my life. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but... Uh, When I was growing up, a lot of people are poor. But uh, the last bedroom I had forever came in the military. I I lived in a closet. I lived in a laundry room. And I lived there for about two and a half years as a young kid. And I just had a bed big enough I'd put in there and had three shelves I'd put my clothes on and a little vent I'd look out of when my kids, our friends would come at night and sort of peek in there and talk to me. Uh, you know, the Army's been good to me. It, it really changed my life and allowed me to to be who I am today. And so when we talk about transitioning, when we talk about veterans, we do talk about communicating, we're really talking about helping our families out, helping the people that have did so much for us and continue to do so much for us. And I also think about the, the veterans that really have given up their lives in defense of our country. So it's not about you, it's about us. It's about companies like OTS that care so much about our veterans and want to do all they can to help our veterans and families each and every day. I'm Jack L. Tilly, and uh, I'll see you on the high ground. Have a great day. Hooah!